0: Let's hack the process together. In this episode, we hear from Adam Sadiq, a performance coach for millennials and a podcaster who hosts the show The Soulfully Optimized Life. Adam discusses overcoming anxiety in his own life and learning to listen to the source of his own motivation to help others. And if you listen carefully, you may find out why he believes our soul is what's connected to the umbilical cord to the mothership of life. I'll let Adam introduce himself.
1: My name is Adam Sadeek. I'm a peak performance coach and leader for my generation, the millennial generation. And I tend to work with other CEOs, leaders, and change makers in my generation to help them amplify the results in their life and in their own missions in their life. Some of these people have, you know, startups that are changing the world or they have a movement they're creating where they want to inspire something in the world, whether it's authenticity, or they want to inspire entrepreneurship, or philanthropy, um, the guy that is there holding them accountable and coaching them along the way. So they're able to greater focus and amplify their results, their productivity, and really their fulfillment throughout the process. Because I think um, if we're not enjoying the process, I personally don't believe in a final destination of like we finally made it because if we're truly, truly committed to our own personal evolution, our own soul's mission. I feel like it's a never ending journey. As soon as we feel like we've, we've quote unquote made it. It's like, and there's more. <laughs> so <laughs> might as well be enjoying the whole process from the the get go. And um, I, I, I got a podcast too, the soulfully optimized life podcast and just wanted to provide inspirational wisdom for people to, lead a purpose-driven life focused on maximizing their gifts for humanity and that's
0: the intention behind that uh, so i i see a trend it seems to me like there's uh there's there's sort of a focus on on the the ongoing journey that is part of our lives rather than focusing on the destination focusing on the journey
1: to me i, I just like to call it our soul's mission i think joseph campbell put it so beautifully when he said that um we must be willing to give up the life we planned so as to live the life that's waiting for us. And I just basically want to inspire people to claim that life, that life that they are quote unquote destined to live, the life that lights us up, that fulfills us, and the life that's really about us giving our gifts to the world. I'm curious, what drew you into this particular calling? I would say what really sparked it all on like Hyperflow was when I was in my second year of college. So I was 19. I just turned 19. <laughs> and um, the year before I just didn't have that great of a time. I chose not to enjoy the year. And because of that, it was a, it was a pretty depressing year. And I went into the next year saying, you know what? I want to have the best college experience ever. And I said, you know what? I want to raise the bar. I might as well shoot for another galaxy. I'll at least I'll land on the moon. So I said, I don't have the best college experience anyone in humanity has ever experienced before. <laughs> and as I, I just put that out there and that night and for the next nine months, every single night, I had intense, vivid, lucid dreams. So intense that I, I felt it was so real. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, speaking different languages, feeling like I was just running through the forest in Brazil Uh, feeling like I was, you know, swimming in the water, like wake up just really feeling in my body like I was like just drenched in in water. And I I just had all these like just intense dreams. I'd wake up in the middle of the night like three to four times a week on average. And I, I was journaling my dreams too. And I started to notice this pattern in all my dreams within about a month. Every single dream I was on, I felt a strong calling to go out into the world, into the unknown by myself, Uh, get a backpack and a one-way ticket and just know that the intention behind all of this is for me to become an evolved and integrated version of myself. And that's about, that's what I got to about a month there. I had no idea like what was going to happen, anything, but I knew that this was like really, it was like shaking me up every single night. in fact, it got to a point where, you know, after about five weeks, I started realizing that I'd be falling asleep in my classes and I'd be feeling more alive in my dreams. And when I realized that I felt like I was living my life and my dreams more than I was in this waking reality, I knew something had to change. So I started telling people and just close friends and family of this, this idea. And they, everyone thought I was crazy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about dropping out of college to basically get a one-way ticket around the world and um, connect with mentors and learn from mentors and just have a world-class education based on my spontaneous experiences. And they're like, um, no, you got to kind of go through a four year degree. And, you know, that's just like the path to having a successful life. And at my heart, it was like, no, I, I just couldn't do it. I knew like I was in a deep sleep mode in, in real life it was so painful that eventually I contacted my cousin who was in Argentina and said, My name is Sahar. I said, hey, Sahar, I heard you're in Argentina. I've been wanting to go out and just explore and backpack and travel. And I figure maybe this would be a a good opportunity for me to go out and visit you and we could go travel. She said, yeah, sure. Come on out. So we planned it out. And I went out there for the winter break. I brought a couple books with me that I chose to read, not my classes. And I was was loving them.
0: What were you reading
1: around that time? A couple books. One is a book called The Education of Millionaires by Michael Ellsberg. Uh, another one was, you know, I might have been asking, it's given by Abraham and Esther Hicks. And oh, the, the Alchemist, which I read like two times at that point. That all sounds very consistent with the kind of thinking that you were doing. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it was, I, I would wake up, my whole body was just pulsating and vibrating, you know, two in the morning, three in the morning. And I just knew it was like, I I can't deny this feeling. I got to do it. And I was telling my cousin there, I was like this, and it was happening there. It was just more magnified because I was away from my quote unquote comfort zone, even though it was not comfortable. It was more painful. I was so stoked and I was so ready to go. And by the time I left Argentina, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I got on the plane and all of a sudden, like all the voices of doubt and rejection started showing up. And I heard the voices from my parents and other family and other friends and peers and other classmates and i just like kept hearing like oh you're going to fail blah 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 like you know only a small percentage of college dropouts make it and like all these like random random words and i started to cave into it and i was like you know maybe i should just wait until the next break in summer and then go travel and i could just wait till i finish my four year degree and then go out on this journey about an hour after my thought process went this way I got really sick. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm missing the first week of classes. And then finally the second week I I gained enough strength to make the drive up there and but the doctors had given me these antibiotics that basically nuked my system and made me black out every time I'd take it. When I go to classes, I'd forget everything. So then there you go, like another sec- second week of classes goes. And then third week, I'm getting sick. So I'm missing some of the days. I've missed three weeks. Then I catch a strep throat, and I'm out for the fourth week. And I check with the doctor. The doctor tells me that this uh, form of strep throat that I have, if it continues to develop, it would affect my heart. I was thinking to myself, I was like, my heart, strep throat affect my heart. And I was like, what's going on? And I remember I like, put my hands on my heart, and I was like, what's going on? I was like, I'm not listening to my heart. <laughs> These symptoms that are screaming for my attention. And I was like, oh, my God. And at that point, I remember I asked the doctor. I said, well, look, I've been sick for four and a half weeks. I missed four and a half weeks of classes. This is the toughest quarter I picked. Is there any way that I can get excused from the classes or come up with some other strategy so I don't have to take this this quarter? He was like, yeah, sure. I'll write you a medical leave of absence. And as soon as he said that, I lit up with hope. He wrote it. I turned it in. Within five minutes of turning it in, officially being withdrawn from classes, all my symptoms disappeared. And that kick-started this uh, deep trust I have for whatever we want to call this. Our soul is what's connected with the umbilical cord to the mothership of life. And somehow this greater intelligence just knows what we're here to really do. And, that, and that's where I feel like, our,
0: at least for me, my best decisions come from there how how did you transition that then from i mean you've you've kind of created a bunch of different career directions for yourself out of this if you look at everything i'm doing it looks like they're in
1: completely different industries they're in completely different fields but there's one co- um one core common mission that i have towards everything i'm doing i basically just want to dedicate my life to supporting evolution in humanity and human consciousness if I'm able to play a empowering and supportive role in the leaders of this generation, and being able to actually make these decisions based on this higher order intelligence, being able to create a strategy in their lives to expand and grow their mission, I feel through one person I'm able to influence thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe millions. Who knows what it,
0: how it ripples out to? I'm curious how you put together your coaching structure. Like when you when you work with a client, how do you start? What what do you do with it, with your clients? Well,
1: generally, like before anything, there's a basic insight form I have everyone fill out. The purpose of that is not just for me to gain insights on where they are right now in their life, where they want to go, um, their greatest joys, their greatest victories, their greatest failures, their greatest pain. It's also for them to actually do a little bit of discovery to really check in, like, where am I right now in my life and what's the direction I'm going in? And I always start with that. It just helps me get and uh, collaborate information. So I get just, you know, a little bit of background of where I could go about approaching the first session. I really believe in the power of accountability because I've had coaches throughout my life. I found that the ones that were checking in on me more than i wanted to sometimes were the uh, coaches that i found the most value from because they're able to get in my face or at least lift me up at the times where i was unconsciously slipping out of the flow so i I bring a combination of just live coaching live video coaching because i feel through videos i mean we have the technology we might as well it's just a cell phone and go to video. But beyond that, you know, we're, I'm able to actually see, see the person, see how they're feeling and just offer guidance or bring in strategic intervention from right there based on what's going to support them best in their own goals and our mission and their own life. And uh, that's a just regular check-ins. I mean, multiple times a week I'm checking in sometimes even every day. And It's really just to like, be like, okay, let's like keep the focus here. Just like, like a, like a laser pointed focus. And in the case that, you know, if like it slips out, you know, you're able to just redirect that focus and it's ties into something else. I know Tony Robbins talks a lot about, He talks about the two millimeter difference, two millimeter change. We don't need to make this major, grand, super huge change to get to where we want. Oftentimes, it's just a two millimeter change. A metaphor he uses is golf. If you're golf, uh, you're holding your golf club just like two millimeters to the right when you go to swing, it'll fling the ball so many meters you know, away from the target where you're going. It's just
0: a two millimeter shift. You've mentioned to me before that you uh, worked with Tony Robbins in a couple of different uh, you've gone to some of his uh, classes. And I think you worked with somebody who um, helps him spiritually as well, right? Yeah, actually, I I just got back from a program with this called Date with Destiny.
1: And yeah, so that network spinal analysis, it's a healing modality developed by Donnie Epstein. And I just, I found out about it two years ago, the same program, because Tony mentioned how powerful the uh, receiving this care is for his health, his vitality, his energy, and his focus. And so I, I got involved in it. For me, at the time when I was there, I was actually managing suffering. I was managing suffering with anxiety. It's a, I tried a bunch of different things at the time. You know, I tried everything from like 10-day meditation retreats to you know, meditating two hours a day, eating organic alcohol and foods, getting my blood tested to see if there's like any vitamins I'm deficient in and boosting those, yeah, exercise, chakra healing, psychology, coaching, like all these different things, but nothing really got to the core of supporting me in healing through and moving through the suffering I was experiencing until I actually started to integrate this care, network spinal analysis care, into my life. And the best way I could describe it is, it's kind of like getting an upgrade for your nervous system, because initially they work with uh, the practitioners work with helping you become aware of areas along your spinal cord and nervous system where there is disconnection, so that you can reconnect to these disconnected areas, and I guess another metaphor for it. I see like the nervous system is like our software for life. So when there's disconnection, and pain is one way of seeing disconnection, um, it's like a message is being interfered from going all the way through. And so, when our operating system for you know like our iPhone is outdated, everything moves really slow. When our operating system for like this MacBook I'm actually using is outdated, that it takes a lot longer to to function properly. So as I started receiving the care basically uh, literally just like one day within several sessions and just like woke up from the state everything just awakened in my body and I got so into it that I started working with that guy Eli who also takes care of Tony.
0: That's fascinating. So is this um, is this a physical modality? Is it a spiritual modality? I would say it's an all-in-one integration and
1: if if, I mean, if anyone's curious they could learn more about it if they just go to YouTube and type in Donnie Epstein, uh, we'll definitely
0: link to something in the show notes for this. Yeah,
1: so he, Donnie talks about the energetic intelligences, everything from the bioenergetic intelligence that, uh, basically, is what creates all life, our cells, blood that pumps through our system. It's you know our, our physical life force energy is another way to say that. Then there's the emotional energetic, which you know, emotions. I think the purpose of emotions really is to Cause a radical change in our state so that we make different decisions. Because you think about it, you make a totally different de- decision when you're joyful to when you're determined. You're joyful, you're like totally in the moment. When you're determined, it's like, phew, I'm going through like an arrow. <laughs> and um, there's, yeah, emotional energetic there. And then he talks about the mental intelligences, the lower mind and the upper mind. There's a video on it on YouTube, by the way, too. Lower mind is a basis for what helps us create boundaries and rules in our lives. The upper mind is where we choose our values and create models and concepts for for life in the world. And then beyond that, it talks about the post-rational intelligences or the spiritual intelligences. First one being the soul, personal soul connection, uh, where we experience joy, love, gratitude, Bliss, peace. He there's a there's a really cool program he's got. It's called Ultimatum, and one of the things he does, I guess, kind of in the way that someone would do a birth chart through astrology, very different though. When with checking our nervous system and how it responds to the different energetic intelligences, Donnie's able to create something he calls the energetic constitution, and to me, it's like how literally the energetic makeup of how we are made up. So I'll tell you a little bit of my, about my constitution, the way I feel it. For me, the energetic of soul. It's it's effortless. Like my connection to my soul is really easy. Connection to your soul, anybody else's soul, soul is so easy for me to to feel. When it comes to the life force energy, it's like I'm screwed. I'm really challenged with it, and it's actually where our challenge lies. That our greatness comes through from because the challenge creates a huge hunger. So I, growing up, I was always into athletics and, you know, you look at someone who's challenged with life force energy. If you look at it from that perspective, it's like, why would they get into sports and athletics? It's because there was such a hunger in me to just get like a hint of like, oh my God, I could feel like the endorphins and like just the blood pumping through my body. And wow, you know, like I feel alive actually in my perspective is the greatest athletes in the world are challenged with life force energy because they need to be in order to have the hunger to go that far and that intense and challenging their physical bodies to do the things they do.
0: The place where you feel the most challenged is the thing that you are drawn to bring to the world, I guess.
1: Yeah. Your greatness. And it's like for, I, I can, I only eat organic non-gmo foods because when i don't it really hits me hard some people can go through with it you know i would i I bet if donny showed the constitution they would be at least neutral they wouldn't be draining when it comes to life force
0: but their challenges Um, may lie someplace else maybe yeah so i'm curious your own process you you are as we said juggling a lot of things. We've discussed, I think, four of them. And I get the impression that there may be a few dozen others that are also, uh, also <laughs> going on simultaneously. Oh, so, what, what is your process? I mean, do you have a routine in your life? How do you keep track of all of this? Yeah, I answer in a few ways.
1: For one, one of the reasons why I take on multiple things at a time, I know, like, whether it was through school or some other form of, uh, some some other place, oftentimes a lot, of, a lot of us are told, just pick one thing and focus on it and see it all the way through. For me, that is actually like, that's draining for me. For me, like to just only focus on one thing and only one thing and just that one thing. I mean, for me, the, my
0: mission is that one thing. But to only see it through one vehicle, it's like, I'm going to be lagging in progress and Somehow so, you, you thrive on the chaos of having a whole lot of different uh, influences simultaneously.
1: Yeah. So I, I focus, I mean, I do focus on one thing at a time, but have multiple things going on at a time. Cause I know sometimes like you could be growing something like you could be growing something and it's going to take some time for those seeds to grow. So rather than me just like watching the seeds to grow, I'd rather go grow another plant and another plant and another plant and have them all grow simultaneously. And when it gets to a point where, you know, I think systems are important to put into place. You know, when I started the podcast, I was doing everything. I was just kind of curious too, for the learning process of, uh, you know, editing and the whole, the whole shebang. Now I just outsource the work. Cause I realized, okay, you know, I, for me to be able to be the most productive in my days, in my weeks, in my months in this year, I'm going to have to actually delegate these tasks so I could focus more on these other things that are, are, are more important and requiring my personal focus. Right. Well, you are the CEO of your company. Yeah. And so delegation, I think delegation is huge. Also to lead life with a results focused attitude. I think I used to be a victim of this mentality of the to-do list mentality. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the to-do list, I just don't feel like it's the most effective method for productivity. And I know it's one of the most advertised things, but the thing is when we make to-do lists and we just write a bunch of things to do, oftentimes we can get so caught up in the to-dos that we forget the real result that we're after. And if we knew the result that we're going for first, we might realize that maybe 80% of the things on our list are obsolete, or maybe 80% of the things on our list could be chunked together and delegated to other people. So we only have to focus on maybe like two or three things. And when we're able to lead life like that, then it's like, I I feel, at least for me, everything becomes so much more effortless. And I'm just in, you know, the the quote unquote, the zone a lot more. And
0: I think things always feel great when you're in the zone. Well, I I could tell right right from the start, you started talking immediately. I was asking you about what you were doing and you started talking about what your motivations were and what the bigger vision was. And it, it ties right into what you're saying about trying to organize yourself, not around the the discrete tasks, but more around making sure that everything that you do draws you toward that ultimate vision. I'm not attached to the vehicle of how the result is accomplished. I'm more
1: focused on the result. And one of the things that I I do on a daily basis, it kind of gives me this, this sense of urgency to act now rather than wait till someday or tomorrow is... I go into every day waking up with the mindset of this is another day closer to my death. I want to make the most of my life, the most I can to contribute to this world. So after I return to the dust, I know I gave it my all. And for me to come in with that kind of perspective, it it definitely, I mean, that's part of the reason why I have like 12 different things going on at the same time. (laughs) But it's like, let's,
0: let me make the most of this time that I have in this world what you've done there i think is you've turned um you mentioned that you had had issues with anxiety and i think what you've done is you've taken your challenges with anxiety perhaps around the terminal nature of existence on this planet and you've turned that into your advantage
1: thank you i I feel like we can all do that and i I, what the the book seven uh stephen covey's book (laughs) Uh, seven habits of
0: highly effective people there we go. Yes.
1: <laughs> and when he starts off the book talking about this process of imagining you're at a funeral and, and you go over and you look in the coffin and you see that you're in the coffin. And what are all these people talking about you, about what you did in your life? And the begin with the end in mind perspective. And I think I think that is really one of the greatest keys when it comes to hacking any process is to know what is what is the what is our goal what is the result that we're going after because if we don't know then how will we know when we're there
0: the people you coach get a lot of advantage from that perspective
1: yeah i feel like every at our at our hearts we all know it's just like to be reminded of it
0: so how do you systematize that kind of the delegation you were talking about um, in practical terms? Because ultimately it does come down to the practicalities of how you get these things done. And you are accomplishing a lot and you know, producing and getting a lot of things out there.
1: Yeah, I'll just use the podcast as an example. Like, for example, podcasting episodes. For me to be able to give my focus everywhere that's needed, as well as go to this podcast, it's more effective for me to record a bunch of episodes in a week, like, you know, maybe 10, five, at least five episodes in a week rather than one every week. Cause uh, you know, I'm oftentimes I'm traveling, I'm going to other events or seminars or wherever I'm at. I, I just, I, I don't know if it's going to be the most effective solution for me to just go once a week. Cause I'm not necessarily grounded in one location. So I like to batch them together. And get them created like that. And I, I know that okay, recording is easy. You know, we're 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 just talking right now. Something is recording this. We get the file at the end, and just to send the file out to somebody who can edit it and uh, take care of everything. But for me to to know that I have someone I could effectively delegate tasks to, I often will go out and try like maybe three to five different. In this case, podcast editors. I'll I'll experiment with three to five different podcast editors and give them I got five episodes right give one episode to each podcast editor and I'll see who's able to produce the result the best who's the, who's gonna respond the best with communication who's gonna create it the fastest who's going to do the best job uh, who's the easiest to work with who do I actually enjoy working with and when I get a sense of that then it's like okay now I know who I want to continue working with and. I'll continue delegating and give them the work and they love it. You know, they're, they're getting work and I'll, I'll just go off that. So now, now I have somebody I could trust. I definitely recommend when it comes to delegating anything or, you know, bringing in either a freelancer or another employee or anyone on board obviously you want to like check out a, a group of people that are aligned with your values and are passionate about what they do and skill at what they do so they can, they can do what you don't necessarily want to do. What do you you. source your freelancers? A couple places. Usually like I've been amazed with the, just the level of service I've gotten from fiverr.com and it's, you know, it's there. It's really easy. It's very like hassle free. Uh, If you really don't like something, you always are able to request a revision so it's not like uh, you just paid five or ten or fifteen or fifty bucks, whatever it is, on this project, and it all went to waste because it didn't work out. There's they definitely like have a great system in there to hold the uh, the sellers accountable to producing great work to your standard. So I feel like there's nothing to lose when you go with them. Also, like I've gone to Freelancer.com or Elance.com and found them. Majority of these people I just usually find uh, online because it's just uh, for a lot of the tasks that I delegate I, it doesn't necessarily have to be an in-house person at least at this point of my life maybe soon i will bring someone on board like that but right now i'm able to do it in a cost efficient way where it's also very time efficient and it's kind of cool to be able to know that you're like you're working with somebody you know overseas over here and like this little Website is able to connect to you two together for this common mission to produce this podcast episode or this uh, ebook cover art or whatever the case be. Usually, any of those websites, I, I just go to one of those.
0: Okay, cool. And um, so we're uh, we're just about to step into the new year. I'm curious what you see coming for you in 2016. What are your uh, What are your plans? What What is your vision for this year? Yeah, you know, I, I'm actually looking at a book
1: where I wrote wrote down a bunch of these plants right now, so I could <laughs> I could read some of these out. <laughs> well, I, there was one thing that just came to my mind immediately as soon as you asked the question. I want to lead a thousand people through actually accomplishing their New Year's goals and this program I'm creating, and you know, it'll, we'll it'll we're going to really focus on bringing a lot of accountability. It's going to be really, a very motivated community, a very driven community, a very action-oriented community, focused on their goals. And unlike any other accountability program, that usually they check on check in, you know, once a month or maybe once a week at most. We're going to check in like three times a uh, three times a week. Sometimes, you know, we're we're just going to really amplify that accountability to make sure everybody actually accomplishes their goals. Because I was. I got really sometimes my inspiration comes from just like boom it's like yes I love this idea I'm passionate about this I want to do this and sometimes my inspiration comes from I like to use the word ragefully inspired <laughs> and I saw this statistic it just it just pissed me off for some reason and I was like first only 45% of Americans actually set new year's goals And out of that percentage, only 8% of them actually accomplish their goals. And the number one New Year's resolution is to lose weight or get fit. There's no like clear measurement. You know, you could say, I'm gonna lose weight and you might lose half a pound. You accomplished your goal, but maybe that's not what you really wanted, right? (laughs) So I just looked at it and I said, you know what? What would happen if everybody, maybe not everybody, what would happen if a bunch of people just had the guidance, the support, the community? The accountability, the vision, the inspiration, and the motivation, and the strategies, to accomplish what they really, really want in their lives—not someday, not some year, no, now—and to like just really just walk them through and guide them and coach them through every step of the process, multiple times a week, all the way from the beginning of two thousand sixteen to the end of two thousand sixteen, to
0: accomplishing their goals and much, much more. That is very ambitious, but I can see that it's completely consistent with your yeah. vision for how, for what you're doing with all of these different projects. Yeah. So that's, that's one of them. Well, um, cool. I, we, we'll, uh, probably by the time this launches, which will be in a couple of weeks, you will have maybe have something out there. We can add the link to the show notes for that as well.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I definitely want everyone to be able to join, um, throughout the whole month of January, because by January, I think it was January 15th, if I remember the statistic, right. But by January 15th, 60% of people already give up their new year's resolutions. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 uh,
0: it's a funny world we live in. Well, you're, you're taking on a real challenge with that one. But I, I, if all of these people tie into your motivation to get them to succeed and you, you can draw them forward with that, I, I, I think you might be able to make that happen. Thank you. I,
1: I'm, I'm really putting a lot of my faith in the, the community that comes together because to me, I'm just one person. But when there's, when somebody has a couple hundred, if not a thousand people around them that are checking in on them and supporting each other every day, then we reconnect with the sense of we are part of something so much bigger and we can create a, a really powerful culture. That won't just keep this group inspired and, and motivated to accomplish their goals, actually accomplishing them and becoming a greater version of themselves, but it'll also ripple out to their families, their friends, their coworkers, their employees, their bosses, whatever, wherever they're in their lives is
0: something is going to spark through and ripple out. So that's again that's the, the bigger vision of it <laughs> you have such a you've, you've got such an ambitious vision for yourself I'm curious if, uh, if you have role models that you're following around this role models
1: yes well I, two of them there Tony Robbins and Donnie Epstein uh, both both role models of mine uh, hmm. I mean there's a lot of people you know that I see as as role models I I think I honestly this is not like just like some fluffy stuff. Every single time I ever see somebody connect with their soul or just act out through their soul. It like brings tears to my eyes of just pure like respect. So everybody can be a role model for me. Every, every soul is a role model for me at the core of it. And uh, I mean, the truth of this example is, you know, I was there at day with destiny for a week. And (laughs) I didn't expect this at all, but for, Probably like three to five hours out of the day, every day, just like it's such a beautiful environment. There's, I could, you could just feel the texture of the soul of the whole room. And just to see everyone just step up and just share their stories and, and, and just break through and and do it with so much just heart. I was like, I couldn't help but just tear up for like three to five hours a day because it's so inspiring. So uh, to me, every
0: soul is, is a role model. I can learn from every soul. So when you're, you've you got all of these different businesses pulling you in different directions, do you feel like there's, where do you plan to put your focus next? The focus is still on the central mission. But a
1: few of the things that I'm focused on right now is it's a book that I've co-authored with my grandpa. And it's to get this published out and get the messages out around the world. Basically, in a gist, when he was six years old, he was sent to political prison. and he was there till 21, uh, went to house arrest afterwards. Just a lot of crazy stuff happened. Witnessed the martyrdom of his uncles and um, just a lot of, a lot. It was really dark, dark, dark period. The most dark period of my family history. But in jail, in this political prison, there's just like some amazing things would happen. They just have some amazing stories that just go to show the power of the human spirit. And he taught himself like six languages in jail, writing with a stick on the floor when the guards weren't looking wow. and practicing. They, he memorized poems from Rumi. I don't even know how many, but he like, he knows them all by heart now. <laughs> uh, when he was there, he was 20 years old at, at the time when he first found out about Rumi and, and he, yeah, like every, at that stage he was, uh, he was in the prison with all the adults. And Basically, people would come and visit every once in a while. I guess somebody gave a book uh, of of Rumi's poems, and he just started re- reading it. and He was so fascinated by it, and you know, he could like, he, he talked to him, he could go on for hours and not days just reciting these poems and quotes. And they're so beautiful. I feel for uh, Rumi's sake, I have a, such a strong connection with with Rumi, uh, just like a deep appreciation for what he what he's done in In his life, even though I have no idea what he looks like, it's there's. I feel like a a lot of people. You say Rumi's name, they know about Rumi, but they usually only know like a few of his quotes. And he has so many just nuggets of wisdom and these just gems that I just started. Just wanted to bring more of them out there because I feel like they're so, you know, wisdom. To me, wisdom is like energetic gold. There's so much information in the world. We're starving for wisdom. We're drowning in information. So wisdom doesn't have to be, you know, a huge book. It could be in one sentence. And in that one sentence, it could be a whole book.
0: I love that. I love that. And that's probably a good place for us to uh, to to end. I, I really appreciate you making the time to, to come and talk with me. Absolutely. I appreciate coming on here, David. And I, I hope all the listeners got some value from our conversation. Oh, I'm sure that they did. And I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing links. There will be several links to things you've referenced in the show notes down below. Sounds wonderful. Are you glad you listened to this episode of Hack the Process? Then take an action now. Make a note about something you just heard and how it's going to help you as you hack your own process. And let me know about it. This has been M. David Green, your host for Hack the Process. You can tweet me at Hack the Process, leave a review for the show on iTunes, and visit hacktheprocess.com to check out the show notes for this episode and join our community of process hackers. Thanks for listening.